So when I think back to what my commute to work used to look like 10 years ago, I am shocked to think about how different it is from the commute of today. Back in 2013, I was living in Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn. I was working at an office building in Midtown Manhattan. I was on the road probably 75% of the time, but for the weeks that I was in New York, I would commute into Midtown right next to Grand Central Station. Either I would take the T into the office, or I would sometimes even try out this fancy new car service called Uber that you could like dial up a car with your phone, which if you were living out in the outer boroughs at that point in time in New York, it was kind of a novel invention. I was most definitely a white collar worker, but little did I know that 10 years later, I would find myself where I am now, living on a farm in Northern Vermont, with cattle and pigs and chickens and ducks and geese and barn cats and livestock guardian dogs. And my commute today consists of me riding a bike up to the top pasture with my dog Abby chasing me so that I'm able to move my herd of Scottish Highland cattle right as the sun's rising. I've been living on this farm since 2018 and I feel like I've learned a few things and I feel like I've grown a little bit in terms of my skill set and my abilities as a farmer because that first year in 2018 I was definitely reaching certain breaking points of frustration. Grow trees, you said. It was going to be so easy, you said. Between the sun and the black flies, it hasn't been the most hospitable working conditions right now. Because when it comes down to it, I realized that at that point, I was completely unprepared for just how much the difference in work style is when you're working as a farmer versus when you're working as a white collar office worker. And I know on the surface that that distinction seems like it should be quite obvious. And I think part of the reason why I wanted to become a farmer is because of some of that distinction. But what I didn't appreciate and what I felt like nobody prepared me for, regardless if it was a book that I read or a podcast I listened to or a YouTube video I saw, was just how you would need to adapt both your body and your mind to the work of farming. I feel like nobody's talking about this one. And so for today's podcast episode, I thought it would be useful for all of you guys to really break down that distinction between farm work and office work and the things that I wasn't quite prepared for when I made that shift for me personally. And so in order to help me do that, I actually reached out to a friend of mine by the name of Jason Contreras. Jason and his family have a homestead down in the Asheville, North Carolina area, and they've been doing it for about the same amount of time that I have. And Jason also is somebody who came from a white collar background. And so my idea for this podcast episode was to have a conversation with Jason and give all of you guys a handy guide for the difference between office work and farm work. And for those hoping to make a transition similar to Jason and me, give you a little bit of a toolkit for how to make it easier than what we experienced. Hey, Kels, come on, Kels, fresh grass, fresh grass, come on, fresh grass, come on. Hey, Kels, come on, fresh grass, fresh grass, come on. Come on, girls, get your grass, let's go. And yes, this is what rush hour now looks like. Yeah, we live just outside of L.A. And, um, you know, born, born and raised in that area. And both me and my wife, you know, we went to the same high school, met in high school. And I guess you could say we had the standard American L.A. life. <laughs> uh, you know, like uh, st definitely standard American diet, 
um, didn't grow up around farming or growing food. I don't think I even knew of anybody that had a tomato plant in their backyard or, or anything like that. Um, and so, you know, went to college, you know, I've always told you, you just need one good job, you know, go to college, you know, buy the house with the white picket fence, get married, have children and have the two cars and have debt. And that's what I did before we left to do what we do now. Um, you know, I just worked in an office, uh, I went to school for computer drafting and that's what I did for 17 years, uh, in the office had a, it was a good job. Um, you know, basically drawing blueprints and stuff like that. And, um, I, you know, after doing it for seven, the same thing for 17 years, you pretty much, you get used to it and you get good at it and it gets comfortable. So when you're doing drafting like that, right? So I'm, I'm picturing like you're sitting at a desk, like hunched over a computer. I mean, is that what like your eight or nine hours a day of work looked like? Like what, like what did it physically look like? Yes, I was, it wasn't in a cubicle, but I did have my own office, but it was a small, it might as well have been a cubicle <laughs> and yeah, working in front of a computer, sitting down in a desk. Yes. That's what it was for, you know, eight hours a day for me. So I was working like in, in basically marketing at like different companies and so it was like this very much a combination of I'd sit at my desk and like, you know, make some PowerPoint slides or write something or respond to a bunch of emails. But then I'd have to like go for hours on end and like sit in conference rooms on meetings and just like either like conference calls or video calls or just like sitting in a room listening to other people talk. Like that was like so the regular like how I would fill my time in my day. Like, did you have a lot of that too? Yeah, we had, yeah, we had some of that, but even that, it was just really just listening to what other people had to say. It wasn't so much like I really said anything, you know, I was just there, you know, because I would be the one doing the drawing. So it was pretty much whatever they wanted me to draw, I would just draw it. So it wasn't not anything up to me. And so I was just kind of there hanging out, listening and, you know, towards, you know, the last few years of being there it just got to a point where I was like man I was not into it at all like I was just like I'm just kind of here just collecting that paycheck for folks who aren't familiar kind of with where you are now you're in North Carolina where do you live what do you do for work like what does your life look like now yeah so we've been out here we moved away from California seven years ago and we moved to western North Carolina uh, like Asheville North Carolina area and, you know, the goal was to not go back to an office job and to try to figure out what that looked like. I didn't know what that would look like because when we left, you know, we had sold most of our stuff and we just left our careers. My wife left her career in the fashion industry. I left mine and we had no jobs waiting for us when we moved out here. And it was just like, we're going to go figure it out. You know, if it's meant to be, it'll happen. And so over the last seven years, it was just trying to figure it out. Like what, how are we going to pay the bills? You know, how's that going to work? I didn't want to go back to an office job and I haven't been back to an office job since. And it was just really just saying yes to everything. And, you know, the one thing we did want to do is grow our own food. Um, you know, it grows as be health or be healthy as possible 
and uh, be together as a family and try to figure out how to work for ourselves uh, from home. And, you know, I started Mm -hmm. doing some woodworking stuff uh, from home. And then, you know, about a year after we moved over here was when we started our YouTube channel. And, you know, growing that, you know, been doing it six years now. So doing that, uh, you know, now we we kind of snowballed into, you know, starting with one and a half acres when we first moved out. And then now we last year we moved to 14 acres to grow more food and just to do different things. And what we really like doing is teaching like hands-on classes. So we started doing that. Um, and we've always kind of done that, but just recent, maybe the last couple of years, really getting more serious about it and doing classes here on the, on the farm and teaching people that way. Yeah. It's always a weird question when you get asked, well, what do you do for a living? Cause I, <laughs> you know, cause, cause you end up telling them everything and it's just like, I don't know where to start. Right. Well, that it's such a mixture. (laughs) I I, I feel like I totally have the same thing, right? Where it's like, okay, I've got the farm and I'm selling geese and beef and pork (laughs) and trees. And like, those are businesses, but then, you know, I make videos and then that brings in some money. And then I just, you know, wrote a book and it's like, just this like patchwork quilt of like earning a living is, is sort of what ends up happening when you kind of go on your own. Right. Yeah. And I never knew anybody like that prior. You know, I've always, everyone that I've, I think pretty much everyone that I, my friends and stuff back in California, we all had like one job, one good job, you know, everyone did. And it wasn't until I moved out here where I don't think I've really met anybody with one job. Like everyone that I, pretty much everyone that I met has multiple jobs and it's all kind of seasonal and they're kind of just doing what they, they can and to make it work. And, you know, people are making it work. And so I... I was inspired by that, meeting people like that out here. And that made me think like, man, okay, they're doing it. You know, I could do that. You know, like I'm just going to say yes to a lot of things and seeing what I like doing and seeing what works. Yeah, I think you bring up such a good point where, you know, for most white collar workers, that default of I have my job and this is what I do. And like, you know, I get my paycheck every two weeks and I have my benefits and like, you know, that is like, I think the, the default assumption and yeah, I mean, you said you were like 17 years. I think I was working, I was about like 18, 19 years before I completely like broke off on my own, um, like between like college and, and that point. And yeah, that distinction and that jump where it's like, oh, you don't have a paycheck every two weeks and you have to figure out kind of different sources of income and it's not going to necessarily be one thing. I think that that's a that was maybe one of the biggest adjustment points that I feel like I've made in the last eighteen months, nineteen months since going on my own. Yeah, and it's it's hard. That's that's got to be the, one of the hardest things. Uh, it's not so much the act of farming; it's more of how do I pay the bills, you know? And they're and they're they're coming from different areas, and somehow it's all coming together and and you know helping us live this lifestyle, which is great. And, and a lot of it's unexpected, you know, because I honestly, I thought I'd move out here and be like, I'll probably go back to an office job, you know, like, I mean, realistically, I was like, eh, what's going to happen? You know, you, you see these, uh, you know, romantic uh, videos or documentaries before we left, you know, or, or pictures, and you're like, oh, these people are just living off the land. 
you know, that sounds so romantic. Like, but then in the back of your mind, you're like, wait a minute, how, how are they doing that? Like, you, you, you got to pay for something. <laughs> well, I mean, but yeah, even the people who like, it looks like they're living off the land. Like I, I know a lot of people who, you know, homestead or farm, like many, many friends. And I can't think of a single one who like exclusively supports themselves by kind of quote unquote living off the land. They all have sort of this patchwork quilt of things that they do to make all the ends meet. Oh, for sure. But I think if you're coming from like, if you don't know these people personally or, or actually been to their place and met, meet them and you just see it through like an online thing or in a picture or a magazine, I think you kind of think that you can do that. I think there's like almost like a, you know, I used to think that what do these people know that I don't know? You know, like there's like a secret that, that they figured out that, that they could just live off the land like this and not really work. And I used to think that like they, they know something that I don't. And, you know, then after we move in the, to the area and I actually meet people like that. And then I, th I figured out the secret. It's just hard work. Like they all work extremely hard to make that lifestyle. And I, I get it. I get it now. I, I think that that's such a good point. And I mean, yeah, if, if anybody's out there listening to this, kind of maybe that first piece of advice is recognize that it usually isn't as easy as it looks on TV or Instagram. Like, first and foremost, <laughs> keep that in mind. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> you, you know, another myth that I feel like I had myself when I first bought the farm and I was like, oh, I'm going to have a farm and I'm going to I want to like try to earn some money from the farm was like you know, earning money from a farm is like, oh, you just got to plant some things and you just do something and it just sort of happens when you actually unpack it all of like whether you're growing row crops or you've got a market garden or you're raising animals for food, like each of those things has a lot of complexity and work. And it's not just like, a, oh, you just, you know, sprinkle some seeds in the spring and then you pick some stuff in the fall. Like it never works that way. It's very demanding. Uh, it's demanding of your time and and. And you kind of also you kind of have to be the you kind of have to know it all, you know. You might not be an expert at any at any of it, but at least you got to know a little bit about something, you know, about the things that you're growing or doing, uh, even the animals. And that's probably one of the hardest things um, is uh, you know the the hands-on experience of doing all that. If you if you don't. If you don't know any, if you've never been around it, especially like a larger animal, it can get really hard to just to jump in with two feet and like get the cow, you know, or the pig. And, and it's, it's such a, it's like a fear of the unknown, you know, it's like, you don't know what's going to happen because that pig could run you over any minute. <laughs> <laughs> completely i mean the, the learning curve shouldn't be underestimated and then yeah even the most basics of oh okay you're gonna go buy a cow how are you gonna get the cow from the farm that you bought it to to your place like do you have a trailer do you have somebody who's willing to haul it for you i've seen people put calves in the back of minivans which i would not advise in the least bit <laughs> but like it's a conundrum that i think as yeah. people are just getting started they often can find themselves in oh my gosh <laughs> And then where do you buy a cow? You can't just go on Amazon and buy it, you know? Like, 
that's another issue. Well, no, I, I think that that's another, if we're going to make the, the farm collar versus uh, white collar distinction, it's like, yeah, so much of your life, like, like, I remember this, like when I was living in DC, right? Where it's like, oh, I need something. Let me just like whip out my phone and hop on Amazon and boom, boom. And it'll be here in two days and all's good. All right. Like on to the next problem. But yeah, you don't just yeah. like order cattle off the internet, like. It's, it's a, even if you're buying through the internet, it's a very complicated process to purchase that animal. I wish you could. I could just go to a website and buy a pig or something and have it delivered. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually wonder why nobody's ever even tried to like build something like that out. Like, because I mean, even like with like Facebook, right? Like you can't sell, technically you can't sell animals through Facebook or that sort of thing. And so, you know, oftentimes you're at the mercy of Craigslist or, knowing a person or knowing a person who knows a person is, is typically how you're finding most of these things. I know, but like, say if you're just getting into it, say you're the city guy that just moved to this rural area and you don't know anybody and you're not sure, you know, your neighbors are not sure about you and you're like, who do I, yeah. Say you want to buy some large, some animals like, and they're just like, I'm not telling you, <laughs> you know, like, like you're going to have to figure it out. You know, you just have to kind of ask around. It, it's funny you should say that. Cause like even here, right. So I live in an area where most of the farms that are still around are like conventional dairy farms. And, and so for years I've often wondered like, Hmm, what if I got like a couple of bottle baby calves from the, you know, the, the cows that they have here and try to raise those up as beef animals and try that out. And you know, for years I've been thinking about it and I only have gotten to the point now where I have like relationships good enough where I've got somebody who's like, yeah, next time I have a bull calf, I'll let you know and you can take it. And like, you know, that's a, it, it takes some time to build that trust in that relationship to even get to that place where somebody's willing to like do that with you has been my experience. Oh yeah. Yeah. I know uh, a neighbor of mine, he does that uh, or his grand grandson does that. He goes to a nearby dairy and, he, but he has that relationship because they're like, well, we don't typically do this, but they'll like sell him a, one for like 50 bucks or something like that. Uh, some, you know, but they know each other. Exactly. Like, like the, the, the financial capital matters a lot less relative to the social capital there for sure. Coming back to that transition, as you go from, you know, having that paycheck every two weeks, having those benefits to kind of this patchwork sort of lifestyle and existence, what were some of the other big distinctions and differences that you noticed as you started to just, you know, kind of work on your first initial homestead and kind of try to make life work for you? Um, definitely physically, you know, um, after you're used to sitting down all day and then you start farming and it's like, I never sit down now. Um, and so that, you know, first year of doing it, you're like, man, I'm tired, <laughs> but it's, it's interesting. Cause it's like, when I had my office job, I loved running, you know, I would li I'd, like, I'd run marathons, like every, almost every day after work, I would go to around the block and like run at least three miles, sometimes six, you know? And I was very active. I was, we always hiked on the weekend and it was like, I, I needed to move around, you know, after sitting down all day. Um, but then moving out here slowly that started to go away. Like I, cause I always thought, Oh, you know, I'm going to be moving to the mountains. I'm going to run more, you know, I'm going to be more active. And really, I, well, first of all, I don't have no time to do that anymore. And also 
I feel like I'm in better shape now than I was in the office, even when I did was running marathons, because it's like an overall, you know, I'm active, you know, I'm using my brain more, you know, like stuff like that. So that was probably one of the unexpected things, I think, um, moving out here is just overall, you're more active. And it takes a little bit to get acclimated to all that running around uh, or walking around, you know, hauling water buckets and stuff. You know, it's definitely, you know, they say farm fit. Well, that, I think that really does exist. Yeah, I, I think you're 100% right. And that was probably another thing where I completely did not anticipate that, right? Where it was like, oh, I'm just going to have to work today building a fence. And you think about, okay, I need the materials and I need the know-how and I need to do that. But like, do you actually have like the the physical capacity to work on building that fence for nine or 10 hours where, you know, you're rolling out, you know, 150 pound roll of woven wire fencing and you're carrying like a dozen metal T posts and like, like pounding fence post in after fence post in. like, like all of that is just like heavily physical stuff. And like, so you make these plans for yourself, not even anticipating the fact that like, yeah, even if you think you're in good shape, you're probably not in like that farm shape where you can just do that for hours on end when you first get started for sure. Yeah. Cause you're bending down, you're do, you're making moves on your body that you're not used to. I'm just used to going like this. Sorry. I'm just used to going like this and the, uh, you know, on the laptop and then. And then when you move around like that, it's different. Well, and even like I like I would when I was in D.C., I, I would work out every morning at the gym and then I'd go into the office and like, yeah, much like a, a hamster that needs to burn off at least some energy on the wheel um, where you don't see like, you know, wild rats running on wheels and <laughs> because they're busy being a rat. Yeah. Um, I think it's the same way with people where it's like if you're on a farm and yeah, you're moving five gallon buckets of water and you're picking up 50 pound uh, bags of feed and like kind of doing all of these things, you develop this like functional strength, which is like, you know, it's not like you're getting pumped up muscle wise, but it's just, you get stronger, your forearms get bigger, your hands get a lot rougher. Like it's just a physical change that I found that happened over the first couple of years of farming. Yeah. Even, you know, when we first moved out here, we had the one and a half acres. So we were there for like six years. And then when we moved to this 14 acres, like the first three months, it literally, like, it felt like, you know, I had run a marathon, like, like once a week, because, you know, one and a half acres, we didn't have a tractor or like a side by side or anything like that. We didn't need it. You know, we just walked around everywhere. But then the 14 acres, I still didn't have any vehicle to walk to drive around in. So I was walking around everywhere on 14 acres, you know, hauling feed and water. And I was like, what am I doing? I'm like, this is different. This is, it's like I had to, it's like all those steps of like, I got to get acclimated now to 14 acres. Completely. So, so actually even on my place, right. So, you know, my farm has been, and it still is like 160 acres, but the first couple of years that I was on the farm, there was like two acres that I was using very heavily and then another nine acres that I was out there pretty regularly doing stuff. But then most of the other farm I would like go to once a month or just go for a walk or like wander around. But it wasn't like actively farming it. This year, like um, I fenced in an additional 25 acres and I have my cattle up there. And so I'm going up there a couple times a day to move them pasture to pasture, check on water, like that sort of thing. And, and yeah, like, you know, when you have that much ground to cover, like, how are you going to get around? I mean, I actually found that like the e-bike is the perfect solution between like being relatively cheap and lightweight and quick, 
but also can get me up over a giant hill or go through like four feet of grass kind of thing. But yeah, it's like, it's again, it's yeah. another physical thing that you need and you need to even start thinking about like your mode of transportation when you start to get that big. And you don't realize that until you're actually doing it. Yeah. And, and, and I think it's, it's again, like kind of for, for somebody who might be listening to this conversation saying, oh gosh, you know, one day I'd love to be out on a farm. Like, you know, thinking about how you're going to physically do it comes into play because again, you know, we're not that uh, far apart in age, but like, I think about doing this, say, like if I was in my like late fifties or early sixties, where originally like starting the farm was like going to be my retirement plan. I don't know if I could have actually handled it at that stage of the game and do done some of the things that I've done in the last couple of years if I was that age. I mean, what do you think about that? Right. Oh, yeah. I had, um, you know, before we left California, I had many people tell me, like, why don't you just wait till you're retired to do this, to do something like this? And I was like, man, a lot could happen be between now until retirement, you know, like. I, just, I could get sick, you know, something can happen. <laughs> and, you know, the momentum for us was there. And it was just like, we need to go, we need to start this. But yeah, I agree. I mean, a lot of the stuff out here, I'm hoping to have a lot of this heavy lifting stuff done by the time I'm older. So hopefully I won't have to do any of that. But do you think that that's realistic? Like, do you think you're ever going to be done? Because I don't know, I'm starting to wonder if that's never oh, going to yeah. be the case at my place. <laughs> No, no. But as far as like, hopefully I don't have to build a house or something or a, a shed or, or, you know what I mean? Like, like stuff like that. But I agree. But no, I don't think it's ever going to be done. And, but that's the beauty of it. You know, you know, you hear the typical quote, you know, it's all about the journey, not the destination. Uh, but that's true. I mean, you know, there's no end point. I think that that's a tremendous point because I think, you know, so often people are thinking about like living the good life on the farm being that you have all these things set up and you just kind of kick back and maybe toss some feed to some chickens every morning and pick up some eggs. And like, that's the work that you have to do ideally when it's all done. But, but I, I actually think that like the thing I've come to love about living on the farm and working on the farm is that like it forces you to work, whether it's different physical muscles or mental muscles on a daily basis. And like, to me, that's almost the real joy of farm life, not the, you know, kind of like the, the postcard image I might have had in my head eight or nine years ago. You know, you're going to have those beautiful days where you're just like, hey, I'm not going to do anything today. We're just going to walk around, you know, and those days are beautiful, too. But in order to get those beautiful days, you have to put in that work. Yeah, no, there's a lot of sweat equity. Um, you know, the other thing that I found that it was hard to adapt was the mental side of it in that. As much as I enjoy farm work, there is a lot of monotony to it, right? Like, you know, to use my fence building example, being out there and stringing high tensile wire and, pun and punching in fence posts, like it can get kind of mentally dull. H how do you deal with that? Yeah, because when you're working in the office, you're, you're with people. I mean, you always see people in the office versus here. It, it, it can be – I mean, I guess – the monotony of it, that's what's hard about it because, you know, when you first buy the your land and you get, you're excited, right? Like you want to do all the stuff, you know, it's still new. But then at a certain point, maybe about, I don't know, after a year or two, you're like, okay, it's, you know, super hot out. It's midsummer and I still have to go out there and do this same chore that I've been doing for the last two years, you know? 
it, it could be tough, but I think you have to remember your why. Like, why are you doing this? You know, when when the, when it gets boring or or hard, you know, uh, I think you have to remember that. Like, why am I doing this? You know, why did we originally want to do this? And you have to, I have to remind myself of that um, sometimes because you are going to have those days where you're going to be bored out of your mind feeding chickens over and over and over, you know, moving chicken tractors. I've, I move chicken tractors two times a day. I've probably been doing that for the last six years. And, but you got to remember what, what's my, why, why am I here? And so that's, what's going to keep you going. Yeah. I, I think that's a good point. And I think part of it is like, how do you adapt the situation to match you? kind of what you're interested in what you're not and like so for example i think your chicken tractor one's a good one right like when i first got started i was raising my ducks and geese like in chicken tractors and moving them every day and i was doing it and i got to the point where i like i just hated doing it so much <laughs> that now the way i raise my birds is i actually have like a whole free range system that i developed to like work with the fact that like one of the things i just didn't like doing was having to constantly move chicken tractors but meanwhile, the way I love to move my cattle is like constantly moving them twice a day. And like, and so it's like, you know, how do you make sure that the tasks that you have are ones that you actually enjoy doing because you're going to have to do them a whole heck of a lot? Yep, that's true. Yeah, you have to, in the end, you, you do have to enjoy doing it. I like moving chicken tractors. You know, I kind of see it as a little workout sometimes, but, uh, you know, you have to really enjoy it. Otherwise, you're going to hate it. No, definitely. I I think the other thing too is like the social component of the work is so different than like office work, right? Where to your point, like you're in meetings, you're talking to people, you have somebody sitting next to you or in the office next door, like, like you're interacting with people. And oftentimes like I can have days here on the farm where it's like, other than my wife, I might not see another human being the entire day. And so like relying on things like audiobooks and podcasts, it actually like helps me to have that sort of pseudo social chatter you have to be more intentional of going out <laughs> and like or like inviting people over to have a dinner or something uh you know because it's very easily you could just stay in your little bubble here and just not see anybody and just do your thing and talk to my pigs talk to my chickens and uh and do that but it, that's not you know, that's not healthy either, I don't think, because you can, it can be very lonely at the same time. Yeah. No, I, I think, yeah, like, you know, like I have this thing with, with some of my friends here who, like, live in my town where it's like, we'll have, you know, porch beers where we'll just sort of post up on a Sunday night, just hang out for a couple hours and shoot, shoot the breeze so that you have, like, yeah, just that human interaction. Because if you don't force it to happen, there's a lot of chances that, like, it won't happen at all. And it's good. It's good. It's just good to, you know just hang out for a minute and just, Hey, what's going on in your place? You know, like just, you end up talking about doing farm chores, but, uh, it's all right. So for, for folks who are not familiar with Jason, one thing that he is like insanely talented around is just a master craftsman builder, maker of things. Like, you know, I like am pretty pathetic when it comes to that skill set, but you've always been pretty skilled when it comes to carpentry how did you get to that place where you were kind of able to build that skill set? I didn't really, I didn't build anything. I don't think I owned a table saw or any kind of tools before we moved out here. And so, but you know, I had an engineering background and so I've always drawn something on paper for people to build, 
I I didn't actually build. I was the one, you know, making dimensions of how to build it. And so when we moved out here, I figured, you know, I'm going to have to learn how to do this stuff. And it's just started, you know, doing it around my homestead. Um, you know, we, we had a single wide mobile home that we had a, you know, it was run down. So we had a fix, you know, doing that, doing those kind of things. And then just wanting to, I always wanted to do woodworking stuff. I just really didn't know how. And so it was just trying to figure it out for ourselves. And then eventually just asking around, you know, one of the best ways to learn too is, is building something for somebody else who's paying for the materials, you know? Um, and so I learned a lot that way and just having confidence in myself to put myself out there and say, yeah, I could build that, you know, or, you know, I, yeah, I've never built that before, but like, like a greenhouse or, uh, you know, a walk-in cooler, you know, I've never done that before, but, you know, people ask me and they, they feel confident in me and I say, yeah, I could do it. And just being confident in myself and getting out there and just figuring it out. Yeah. And, and I, and I think that's a very smart way to look at it because like that building skill set is arguably as important as many other skills that you can have, particularly around the farm and homestead, because there's always something that needs to be put together. And so like, even if you're not on a farm or homestead yet, and you're like dreaming of it, like finding little projects around your house now to build that thing. I, I wish I did that more before I moved out here because yeah, that was like when I brought my first like drill and driver set in my first, you know, uh, circular saw or like any of those things. Like I didn't own any of that. Like when I lived in the city. Yeah. Cause there's no need to really. You know, like, why would I need, why would I need all that stuff? No, you have like one and, of those like uh, crappy, like $20, not... like tool sets that has like a Phillips head <laughs> screwdriver and a way too tiny hammer and like maybe some pliers. And like, that's typically <laughs> what you have is your tools. Yeah. Like you don't have real tools, but like out here you need real tools. <laughs> or, or if you could, um, you know, right before we had left, I took a, like an adult education class. It was at like, it was taught at my local high school. It was like super cheap and it was like basic woodworking knowledge like just how to not cut your hand off, you know, like how to use a table saw, like how to use like simple stuff that we should all know. I already know how, but I, I didn't know how, but uh, just kind of what tool, how to use what, how to use this. And, and so if someone can find like a local college like that, that has these classes and just building up that knowledge base of even like a, any kind of trade, honestly, like electrical, like plumbing, like if you could just go to a class and learn that stuff or somebody that you know, that would be super helpful. Yeah, no, I, I think, in, and actually you mentioned plumbing. I'm, I'm actually right now doing some learning around how to like get some more basic plumbing skills because one of the things I'm finding is I have to run water lines everywhere and there's so much like water work that I've been doing lately that like, Gosh, just having some basic plumbing understanding would come in handy. And like, so I've, I've, I've been going back to the drawing board to learn some of that right now. It's me, Mario. For, for folks who are listening to this and, and saying, well, what other things should I do to get myself ready to go from, say, office life to farm life? What other advice would you have? You know, I, I know most people probably don't want to hear it, but I would say you have to just just jump off the cliff and do it. Um, I know it's hard. Because it's like, well, how do I do it? You know, and sometimes you just have to do it because 
you could watch all the YouTube videos, you can listen to all the books, you could watch, you could be inspired by all the documentaries and all the videos that are out there and all the content. There's so much content out there now. Um, you can be inspired and, and gain all the knowledge, but then at a certain point, you're going to have to just do it. And then once you do it, just know that it may not be how you thought it would be. It may not be how you thought the videos told you it would be because everyone's situation is different and, and just know that and just have patience, uh, for yourself on, because if you don't, if you weren't around this stuff growing up, there's definitely be a learning curve there and you're going to have a lot of failures and you're going to have a lot of wins too. Um, but just be patient because you'll just get through it. I think to paraphrase Mike Tyson, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. Yeah. And you will. And you will. So there you have it. The difference between office work and farm work explained by two guys who grew up doing absolutely zero farm work, spent nearly 20 years working in offices and then ultimately made a transition in their 30s. If you want to learn more about what my friend Jason is up to, go check out his website, sowtheland.com, or I will leave a link to his YouTube channel down in the description of this podcast slash video. Additionally, to all of the folks who've sent me cards and emails and comments and just really kind messages uh, following the episode I did last week about Molly Barncat, I wanted to say thank you, you know, it has been a tough couple of weeks here on the farm, but hearing kind of that reaction from you guys and knowing that I'm not alone, it, it quite honestly really means a lot to me. So, so thank you guys for that. Also, just a friendly reminder, my brand new novel, Toby Dog of Goldshaw Farm, my very first book ever, is now available. There's a paperback edition, there's a hardcover edition, there's a digital edition, there's even a special audiobook edition where I do the narration and I got a bunch of really talented voice actors to do all the characters in the book. And it's just like a great family read or listen, like if you're on a road trip or something. And seriously, a big shout out and thank you to everybody who's leaving reviews about the books. Because my goal is to get as many people as possible to experience the book, the more reviews that you guys write about the book and the more people who give me these great reviews that are starting to pop up, the more or it helps other people find the book. So thank you, thank you, thank you for that. And now with that, I actually have more farm chores I have to do, and so I will be back with you guys in the next episode next week. Thanks for listening, everybody. It's got a soul, this hero farm. It falls asleep deep inside my arms. We walk the fields under the stars. For love is here, Goldshaw Farm.